Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. This is the recap of Stage 4 of the UAE Tour 2021. 204k stage of not very much <laughs> we will be <laughs> frank with you uh it was a build as a sprint stage and it certainly delivered that but before we get into the stage recap i want to talk to you quickly about our show partner lacol l-e-c-o-l you can see them at www.lacol.cc they produce premium performance focused road cycling apparel uh they've got some new gilets actually high visibility one you can go and check out on their website i think i'll show it in the overlay on the youtube video for this looks pretty cool actually it's like multicolor, um and they've also got some deals on their new lightest gilet um and a refer a friend program if you want to check that out as well the link to that is in the description below that's lacole www.lecol.cc but this stage benji 204 k's Almajan Island, or Majan Island, Majan Island, I think it's Almajan Island. Two intermediate sprint points, one at oh, nine, uh, 50Ks, one at 170Ks in. Um, not much wind on the forecast. And uh, how, did the, how did the day shape up? Yeah, nothing much really. We had a, a pretty relaxed start of the stage. A breakaway didn't really get away. And we noticed that in the peloton, they had the first intermediate sprint. We saw that Decker was going for that. It won't really bother too much. It won't change too much. So not doesn't matter too much who took that intermediate sprint, to me at least. Uh, I don't know about anyone else. But after that, we saw a small move in the peloton to try and force something in echelons. But eventually, the wind was just not strong enough. There was not enough wind to force echelons in the peloton. And they relaxed again and at that moment two guys got away i think it was legac with another uh another french rider but i'm not sure about it actually at this point but um we had a uh, another intermediate sprint those two brave guys took the first two spots decker sprinted for the third spot and took that and eventually obviously it was leading all into a uh eventual sprint at the end of the day the uh peloton looked pretty relaxed into the last 10 kilometers but it obviously started speeding up Pretty wide roads, but often some riders see that as more dangerous because in a situation where there are roundabouts and such, riders are usually expecting the roundabouts. They know that dangerous stuff can happen on the flatter, wider roads. They sometimes say it's more dangerous because they don't necessarily directly expect anything, but it's so stressful still because they're moving towards a final sprint where every single team wants to be at the front. Every single team has their sprint train here and wants to try and force themselves to the front. And you saw that stress throughout the last few kilometers, but luckily, no big deal, no big, uh, uh, no any crashes really in the last few kilometers, so uh, that's good. But we went into, a, I think, a roundabout with a good four-ish kilometers to go, and we saw that some sprint trains were already moving towards the back where they should have been a bit more to the front, we know that the big guns we're expecting on the stage, obviously Caleb Ewan with a lot of Sudal, 
We have Bennett Witt, the Cunning Quickstep, Akamon and Bora. We have Decker, who was great at the first stage, who is also at uh, Lotwinel Jumbo. is too old of a name to use, but Jumbo Visma. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. Um, other sprinters, well, we didn't know who was going to sprint for Israel Startup Nation, and they did come into play for a bit there. Uh, we had we thought it was going to be Zawel because Greipel is a bit oh, older now. We thought now. it should be. I think we, me and you, thought it should be Zawel. Yeah, uh, indeed. <laughs> and uh, it seems like they were going um, for Greipel in the end, which and, yeah, yeah. Spoilers didn't really work out. And Gaviria also uh, sprinter that is here. That's for UAE. Viviani for uh, Kofidis. So in total, a lot of big guns that want to go for this stage. Yes. And yeah, going into the last two kilometers, yeah, true as well. But the thing about Case Bull is that we weren't sure whether he was going to sprint or Dainese was going to sprint, so a bit unclear on that regard as well. So a lot of teams with two sprinters as well, and we don't know which one is going to sprint. Mezgech and Groves at, um, I was going to say Orica. God, today I'm like years behind. <laughs> um, and obviously those are in the same team as well, sprinting. So a lot of teams with two sprinters that we were unclear who was going to sprint in this situation. But I guess tonight or today made that clear for everyone here. They went into the last two kilometers, and at a certain point, we saw that Israel was taking the front. And uh, I was like, okay, I did not expect this team to take the front. Usually, early on, we see that Lotto Sudal is pushing forward because Lotto Sudal has this has this way of launching their sprint train sometimes way too early. And then at the end, they figure out that they have the bust and Ewan left. And then Ewan is not in an ideal position for a mass sprint. And I think today might be counted under that. We'll go into that in a second. But how did you see the last two kilometers? Which teams did you see coming forward at that point? Or well, just before then, I was particularly impressed with Mikhail Bjerg again, acting as road captain for UAE. He brought Pagacha at the front into the last three kilometers. The uh, obviously that's a crash cutoff danger zone where trying to get there. You know, we're used to Ineos keeping their GC leaders safe at the front until the last three k's of a sprint stage. Bjerg, I said it on the video analyzing stage three, he has to go to the Tour de France for UAE team Emirates. He's, as their road captain, I think he's so good, versatile and strong, and he's already riding like a 10-year veteran. Um, but that aside, sorry, Benji, going to the finale, yeah, Israel took it up early, almost into the last. I, I think they were allowed to, because as you said, Lotto went to the front, they had Kluger de Boist, and Quickstep were not taking it up. Kluger looked over his right shoulder at Quickstep, and Quickstep were like, no, we're, we'll just surge late with Bennett. Um, and so Lotto went back into the middle of the group, and I'm not talking like third or fifth wheel. Du Bois and you and then slid back to like 15th wheel, Benji, 20th wheel, yep. and it's like three wide. Um, and the roads that have been super wide all day in the last 1,500 they get quite narrow or relatively narrow and they're bending. Um, there's a few turns. It wasn't a straight finish. It was like a bending right-hand finish, I think. And so then Bora, Hans, Grower, and Israel took it up with Greipel. That didn't go anywhere. And then Bora was the last team uh, leading out, I think, for Pascal Ackerman. And I think it was Martin Lars doing the lead out actually and I know I joked about it and but it wasn't even a joke when I called Pascal Ackerman the lead out man for Ewan or Bennett <laughs> he literally was again I'm surprised like it's it's obvious to everyone watching like he's launching so so early and I, I'm not talking like oh he's if he just launched 15 meters later 
then he wouldn't have been beaten by half a wheel or a tyre width by Bennett and Ewan. He's launching like 75 metres early and then losing by multiple bike lengths when he's got to be a top three sprinter here on like physiologically in terms of kick up there with Ewan and Bennett. But his timing has just been – it's just terrible and it continues to be a big issue for Ackerman. He should be getting top threes in these sprints, um, but he's not. So he went away too early, leading out. The road is bending to the right-hand side and the quickest line ended up being if you stayed on the left and sprinted in the last 125 on the left. Nizzolo was on the wheel of Ackerman as well as Viviani and Moschetti. They went – they didn't stay to the left-hand barrier. Nizzolo started sprinting off the wheel of Ackerman to the left-hand side, not not too much snap, which meant Ackerman was probably doing a pretty strong lead-out. Uh, Bennett, who'd been dropped off by Merku, Merku had slid up the right-hand side as Bora were doing their last lead-out for Ackerman. It, it, he slid up the right-hand side, dropped Bennett off about the uh, fourth wheel. Nizzolo kicks. Bennett comes off his wheel to the left and starts kicking. And Decker, who was coming up the left-hand side on the barriers really quick from deep, um, he had the door shut on him on the left-hand side by Bennett. Bennett then pretty much absolutely dusts everybody off in the last 100, and it was it was over. The minute the minute he hit free air, clear air, it was over. Ewan um, didn't have too much snap at the end. We'll talk about why that was the case. He ended up coming third. So, yes, another win for Sam Bennett. First World Tour sprint for him of the year, and he wins. Sam Bennett first for quick step. David Decker second. He then followed Bennett up the left-hand side on the barriers, uh, kept his sprint going for second, beating Caleb Ewan, who ran out of steam third. Viviani fourth. Benji said in the preview that Viviani should actually get a few top fives here on the pure flat stages. Moschetti fifth. Ackerman running out of steam sixth. Bauhaus seventh. Nitsolo eighth. Bit of poor positioning, poor line choice. I think he could have been doing a bit better if he hadn't gone sort of that wide, longer line on the right-hand side. Gavidia in ninth, Caden Groves, 10th. Greichel falling out to 12th. And Case Bowl, 15th. I don't, I don't, he's having a few issues in the big world tour packs, I think, Case Bowl, getting his positioning and timing right. Um, but, yeah, anything else I missed, missed in the sprint, Benji? Merku, the MVP today, you reckon? Yeah, I think so as well. The thing about this entire thing is that... Um... Merku is the difference between Ewan and Bennett for me. We we spoke about it so many times already. And I think that it's very clear on this stage as well because Ewan's position before the sprint started was not ideal because compared to Bennett, he doesn't have that rider that brings him forward in the end because Beist is already gone. The Beist is already gone at that point. And in this situation, well, yeah. He was already gone way too early, which means that Calabion has to make the uh, moves himself into a sprinter's wheel. And Bennett doesn't need to do that because he just sits on the wheel of Merku and Merku brings him forward exactly where he needs to be for the last 200 meters. But sometimes you would also say that Bennett would perhaps not win these sprints if Merku was not his lead out. But I think... The inside of a sprint role so matters a lot because Bennett is really good at choosing when to get out of Merku's wheel because if he waits a tiny bit longer in this situation, he would have been in a situation where he can't pass on the left. So he sees a gap and he chooses that moment to get past the riders who are riding at the front, who is still Ackermann, who was sprinting there. And 
that decision is also something that makes Bannon a really good sprinter because he can choose that that moment wisely. This is not the first time I noticed that. The thing with Ewan is he went to the other side. So Bennett chooses to go to the left. Ewan chooses to go to the right. Ewan has such a big acceleration at the start of his sprint. And his max speed is relatively similar to Bennett. But if you have to go the long way around on the right because your initial positioning was not ideal, because you're put into the uh, wheel of Bennett, who can choose the lane first on the left, you can't choose that lane because Bennett is already taking that. Otherwise, you just finish in his wheel like Decker did. And therefore, Bennett needs to go the long way around then. Uh, Ewan needs to go the long way around, I mean. And if that happens, well, you kind of know that you're starting with a disadvantage in the last 200 meters. And Ewan had that disadvantage. And while he was not sprinting slower than you, than Bennett, relatively similar, I'd say, if I look at it, then I, I dare to say that if his position is better because if he has a Merku like character on his side then then he can win much more but yeah it's it's uh, i don't know bennett bennett's timing and patience is the best in the in the world right now he he has the best ability to just allow everyone else is sprinting around him and people get you know ask it's not something you can take for granted ackerman gets the jitters and just goes yeah and bennett is you know bennett knows listen everyone's so good if you jump at 225 or two, because you're worried about a, a lane closing up on you, you're not going to win. So, especially with the number of sprinters here today, maybe if you're Demar at the Giro and no one else is there, that's fine. But today, you have to time it well to win. And Bennett just waited and waited and waited. His patience is, is really, really good. Um, Particularly, I think when he knows Ewan and Ackerman are there, he, he's like, I have to be, I have to do this just right. Um, I think, conversely, Ewan's lead out was dog shit. Like, I'll say it. He, yeah. it was just caught, it had no plan. They were there at 2Ks at the front. Klug was like, oh, I don't like this. They then weren't aggressive enough, which Murku is, by the way. We don't, you know, we don't like it that much, but realistically, Richese Murku. You got to get your, they get their hands dirty sometimes, and it gets results for their sprinters. Um, Kluger and Debus didn't jump onto a train and, and create space for Ewan in a nice pocket, eight to ten wheels deep. They floated back in the middle of no man's land, fifteen to twenty deep. Debus then pulls off with about six hundred meters to go, and and leaves Ewan with literally not on anybody's wheel. Go and look at the overhead shot. He's literally not on anybody's wheel, and he has to full on sprint. To get onto a wheel, he does like probably a max effort, and then gets onto Sam Bennett's wheel. Um, but if you're having to do that in the last 700, and then try and sprint again, unless someone else makes a horrific error, you're not winning. Uh, especially when it's Bennett's there as well. So he got onto Bennett's wheel, but yeah, uh, I would say at the moment, Lotto, uh, there's more times they're not doing a great lead out than a, a really good lead out, and I think. FDJ and Quickstep are just clearly a step above them, and I'm not sure the boost is 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 last wheel Kluger's second last wheel. Is that working? Do they need to look at that a bit differently? Merku is more of a Kluger style guy. Do, does Ewan need someone like Kluger creating space for him late? I don't know. It, I was surprised Benji that they took it up early and came to the front with two yeah. Ks because that's. Why? Like, isn't their best strategy to use those two from 1K to surge up the right like FDJ last year with Damar, right? Or am I am I missing something? 
I think so as well, but I think that Ewan seems to either choose this or he's being put in this, this position always, that he's relatively alone to try and have more space to worm his, himself into the, the smaller gaps in the last kilometer. But like you mentioned, if he gets put in a position where he needs to do a sprint before a sprint starts, then it's not ideal. I think that, like you say, they don't need to take up the mantle too early. They're not the best lead-out team at this race. There's plenty of good lead-out teams here. So let the others take care of it and have your riders try and get you in the right position for the last sprint, not for the last kilometer. And I think, like you mentioned, that is where the mistake lies here. But there's a lot of things that are just a bit odd in this sprint, not even Lotto Sedal alone, like, we spoke about it a bit at the start, Israel Startup Nation. Why are they still sprinting with Greipel? The sprint starts and I don't. I like Greipel. I like Greipel a lot. He's an awesome guy. He had a great history. I love following his career. But he's just not there. And when the sprint starts and you see that he moves from second position to seventh position because he doesn't get out of the saddle because, I don't know, is it scared? I, I don't know what it is. It feels no, like no, it. No, no, no. No, I don't think so. He just doesn't have the juice in the league. He's just not he's just not at the level anymore. That's which I, I don't think he's scared. Um I think he's thirty eight years old, going on thirty nine and just not as good anymore. And someone like Moschetti and, and Bauhaus and even Caden Groves, it's just hard to compete with guys like that. Uh that's that's what I think. When I see someone sitting back down in the saddle, that screams fatigue to me. Um no. Okay. Personally, I think he seems like a nice guy. You'd think that I, I don't think he's that yeah. egotistical. I feel like if they said to him, "Hey, come on, Andre, we need to ride for Zabul," I think he'd be okay with that. Um, I'm pretty I don't sure know whether well, it's even, yeah, yeah, it would honestly like, fit as well because I think Zabul can actually achieve decent results in a top ten. And right now, I don't see Greipel doing that unless it's a situation where only like seven riders sprint. Yeah, Moschetti is quietly becoming very consistent world tour level sprinter. Um, he's always top five, top seven, sometimes better. I, I think Moschetti's quite good for Trek Segafredo. Um, I think they got a pretty good sprints coach and team over there in the staff who get the most out of their riders in the sprints. Uh, but the big, another big positive is apart from Sam Bennett. Um, obviously having great timing, etc. was David Decker for Jumbo Visma. Dutch rider second on the stage. I mentioned when I ran through the final 500, he got cut off by Ben. I don't think that affected the outcome of the race, Benji. I think Decker was already at max speed and starting to decelerate a little bit because he'd come from really deep with a big in-the-saddle surge. But honestly, we were hyping him up a lot. I didn't expect him to come second on this stage with Ewan Ackerman and, and Bennett. Did you? Do you think he was able to do something like this? I don't want to be that guy, but I do believe that he was able to do this. I've been following his career for a while now, and I was expecting him more to be in a situation where it's a reduced group, and then they get the sprint for it. So a, a baseline stage one occasion. But I, um, I did believe that he had the possibility of getting in a top three because we had no history of him riding against the big guns yet. We just had history of him beating the riders that he was within his category and if you don't have a if you have an unknown in that area then it, it's always possible and perhaps i was hyping it up because i was hoping he could do a good result but i felt like it was possible and i think that yeah if the situation is 
even a tiny bit different, he can win a stage like today. And this is with no lead out too. So, I mean, obviously I think they should take Decker to the Tour de France with Wout Van Aert and uh, I think just go ham. I don't care, Benji. I've changed the team for them. Um, <laughs> Decker's going to the Tour now. And because you can't do Giro and Classics, you've got to do Classics and then go do the Tour and him <laughs> and Wout Van Aert can dominate stages, stage one, and then we'll see from there. Um, that's that's my part dream. I think Decker's so good, by the way. He just... He looks so, so good. He's going to be winning World Tour races yep, very soon. Yeah, I guess maybe maybe winning Giro stages, actually. He's better than better than just being a lead-out <laughs> guy. Stage 5 preview from Fujara Marine Club to Joel Jace, 170K stage. It has uh, two intermediate sprints, a very, very gradual climb at the start, which bigger incline <laughs> shouldn't it's not categorised at all. And then Joel Jace is the, is the mountaintop finish it's 21.5 Ks long, 5.4% average gradient, very, very consistent gradient to nothing. The steepest K is 6.5, 6.3% average gradient in the middle. Of the last three Ks are very regular, 5.4, 5.66% as I read the Flamme Rouge profiles. The GC positionings going into the stage is a reminder. Pagacha leading Yates 43 seconds back in second, Almeida third. A minute and three back, half a fourth, a minute 43 in Powerless, fifth, a minute 45 back. They're the main five guys close on GC. What do you think is happening tomorrow, Benji? Nothing? I think, I don't think enough to um, change anything. I think that Jubilees was done once before in 2019, and the situation there was basically a, a 10 man sprint at the end of the climb. I don't expect too much different, perhaps five people, seven people, something in that area. What I'm mostly expecting is that certain riders with the climbing ability to stay in that group, so obviously Pogacar, Yates, the people that were in the second group last time, I'd expect to be in that same group as well on Jabal Yais, but in the first group then, because I don't expect anybody to be able to get away personally. Obviously, I'm open for it, because that would lighten up the race, but I expect a bit of a nine-man group sprinting for it, and... I'm going to try and predict the top three here for fun. So uh, I, um, I'm guessing on a Higita victory ahead of Pogachar, and third will be Adam Yates. Pogacar. Mm, Pogacar. Poggy, Poggy, Pogacar. It's okay. too good. I don't think he believes in freebies. I don't think he believes in other people being allowed to win, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I think Pogaccio should be the favourite, to be honest. I'd normally go with someone like Conrad, but he's not looked good at all. Yeah. Uh, I, Conrad in a finish like this is usually quite nice, but nah. Paulus, if he gets it right, Paulus looks like he has great legs. Um, I don't know who's going to take it up. Do you think Ineos bother to set, try and set pace tomorrow, Benji? They have to, right? Like They can't just allow Pogaccio to win GC. They have to try something, see if he has an off day in the heat, right? Yeah, they have to try something, but it's it's going to be really hard. They're just going to Ineos train on, on to Jebel Yais, but the gradients are so consistently low, 5%-ish, that I don't see a place where Yates can drop Pogachar unless he has a really horrible day suddenly, which I don't really see coming, to be honest. No, so, I think he could. I don't think so. I think it's a, a lost cause for GSC. I think Pogachar has won the UAE Tour unless some GFC. huge echelon gets him behind. Yeah, 
But right. uh, Higita is going to win tomorrow. It's it's locked. It's locked. Yeah, Higita is <laughs> a good shout. I think we we said that in the preview. Yep. I think Yates is stronger right now than Pagacha on the uh, on the climbs. I think it's really a bit stronger based on stage three. Um, but yeah, as you say, it's not so steep. I'm just maybe I'm just wishing for something, Benji. But it wouldn't surprise me if Yates put ten to twelve seconds on Pagacha. But even then, <laughs> I'm just wishing. I don't know. I'm hoping something crazy happens tomorrow. Um, but, you know, it's it's a long climb, early season. Who knows what can happen? A bit of heat. I don't think Sepp Kuss is winning. I, but I think, uh, yeah, Igita is, is a really good shout. But that's been our preview of tomorrow's stage. It's been our recap of stage four. It's been a pretty good UAE tour so far. Today was a pretty chill day. They averaged 40Ks an hour on a flat stage. I think that tells you all you need to know about the stage. If you want to go and watch it, Probably the last five Ks will be uh, will be all you need to see. And uh, I actually am producing highlight videos for the UAE Tour uh, for the last few stages, so you can go and check them out if you're interested as well. But, uh, thanks for watching as always or listening. If you're just listening on podcast players, thanks for Cole for supporting the show, and we'll see you tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 